Welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Demi and I'm joined by Manny and Justin. We've had an explosive and probably one of the most or oh, the craziest winter transfer market just ended yesterday. We're recording on Tuesday, February 1st. Uh, before we, we dive into some of the crazy transfers, I think we need to talk about uh, the Competition going on in Africa right now. Uh, we are at the semifinals, um, and I think we are seeing a morph of Liverpool players playing in this competition. Uh, the first game uh, tomorrow will be Burkina Faso and Senegal, and then we also have Cameroon facing Egypt. Um, I did not expect Egypt to go this far, but here we are, semifinals. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, Manny, and I... I think what we're going to try to do is just talk about predictions and see what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to start with the, uh, the the bigger the bigger game, the Cameroon and Egypt. Uh, Manny, what what are your thoughts about that game? Uh, so I think that if the officiating is done correctly, <laughs> right? No, 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 just hear me out. I'm just saying, right. like, I've watched a few of these games. In particular, I've had my close eye on Cameroon because they're the host. And let's just say that some of the officiating, and particularly Cameroon's case, they tend to get more favorable calls than not. It's like watching uh, Manchester United or Arsenal with uh, Anthony Taylor at the helm officiating the game, right? You know, and so I think that if the officiating is fair i mean cameroon's doing great did the host and all and they have you know home home field advantage crowd support but um this uh this egypt team with with salah man he's just been on another level they've gone two games right like where they've gone additional time and they've gone to pks and Salah's always that that guy he stepped up and that's been the difference um I'm I'm gonna take Egypt in this. Interesting. Um, I, I'm not, I, I'm gonna act like that was not an EPL bias. Uh, Justin, <laughs> what, what do you what do you think? I think that you over the think, course. Just pick one. You, you don't have to think because I know you're gonna say Egypt, but it's okay. Did I answer your question for you? Uh, uh, uh no. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't know me that well, Bori. Uh, after watching these matches over the past couple weeks, I didn't watch much of the group stage. But I watched some of the highlights and I caught some of the last round. And I think uh, over 90 minutes or in this competition over 89 or 88 minutes, um, as depending on when they, the game ends, I think that uh, Cameroon would come out on top. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, I think Cameroon's going to go to the final. Is that with or without rest help? Uh, just kidding. <laughs> I think um, regardless. Regardless, uh, I think Cameroon, I, is, Cameroon is a better overall team. Yeah, I also say Cameroon, and, and here's the reason why I'll say Cameroon. Uh, when we played, when Egypt played Nigeria, and of course Nigeria was out round of 16, um, and I feel bad bringing them back into this conversation, but uh, we were thanks actually a, able thanks to cancel a lot. us out. Thanks a lot, Iwobis. Oh, yeah, right. Um, we were able to cancel out uh, Salah. It felt like he was out-muscled, actually. I was very surprised at how he was essentially being tossed around. Um, and I think that's, uh, if you see the way Cameroon plays, they're very physical. So I think if they're able to handle Salah, then we're talking about, you know, who who else is going to set up? Trezeguet or, you know, all the other players that aren't too, like, weren't El, too El hot Nen- in the beginning. El Nenny. <laughs> he's actually been good. He's actually be, he's actually played very well. You can tell, like, he's playing with passion. Um, so Arsenal, uh, fix your fix your team. Um, anyways, let's move on to Burkina Faso and uh, Senegal, and I think there will be a surprise here. But uh, Justin, would you like to give us your your winner of the of those two games of that game, sorry? Burkina Faso. Wow. Oh. <laughs> no, hey, he's Manny, he's strolling. No, Manny, Manny. I I like him. Wow. No man, they got the best. They got the best keeper in the world. Edouard Mendy. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, didn't even, I didn't even think this would come up, but it came up. All right, so it came go up, ahead. It came up, and... So he's going to score a 96-minute header? Is that, huh? you know? 
It's zero zero. He won't he, need to, man. He's gonna be stout. Stout def- defense wins championships, boys. And he, you know he's doing his thing. Um, I have Senegal coming out, and the final is gonna be Egypt versus Senegal. Mohamed Salah versus Mane. The loser leaves Liverpool in the summer. You heard it here first. Oh God. <laughs> Liverpool I think we'll sell the losers. <laughs> oh god. I, I think I think if obviously EPL fans and Liverpool fans will love to see that. But I'm gonna go with Justin here. Mainly because one Senegal like yeah, they have the people, they have the, the the names. I don't think they are good as a unit, personally. But obviously I say this now and they're gonna win tomorrow. But if you see the way Burkina Faso played, like they have no, no names on the on the team except for Bertrand Traore, who by the way didn't play the last game, which is crazy to me because everyone else was still good even without him on the on the on the pitch. So I don't know if he's going to play uh, tomorrow, but I think Burkina Faso looks more like a team that plays collectively, and I think that was, is what could throw Senegal now. Senegal could come up, Mane could do something brilliant, right? He could do something brilliant and then score a goal and then tough luck. But I think I'm giving the edge slightly to to Bokneva. So it's a very slight one. Like I'll say maybe 55%, 45%. Um, but I, I think Bokneva may come through. Now, if they go to penalties, Bokneva keeper. I don't know if you see the way he dresses. He wears all black. He has, he has uh, some juju in his hand. So um, if they go to penalties, and, and actually... Um, Manny, you may you may be the best person to tell us about this. Is is um is your keeper Mendy? Is he is he good at saving penalties or penalty shootouts? He's, you may you may. He's he's actually not as good as you would think a guy his size would be. Uh, he's decent, but okay. but but PKs is not his specialty. Right. But then Maybe again, to get he, Kepa. He, no, shoot, no Kepa Kepa is if there's one thing that Kepa can do right. It's a uh, stop PKs, um, you know, his stats. Uh, but um, I, again, you don't know, like uh, these teams, you got to think back about how many, how many of these teams have gone and played additional time, gone to PKs. For example, like Egypt has done it, you know, um, you, I think it's all about experience and, and having the calmness in the end. Um, I think as long as you get a fair, like, what I want is, regardless of who wins, I just want fair refereeing. I don't. The last thing you want is for these teams to get this far in the competition, and for there to be it to be overshadowed by like uh, controversial calls. Correct, I, and I agree. I'm not gonna lie. There's been some weird things going on. Um, even lot when I was watching the quarterfinals, I think one of the refs even blew before the end of the match again, and I was just like, is there an obsession with refs blowing before the end of the game? Like. Let it play out, but you know it's whatever. Anyways, all right. I think that's that's all we have for Afcon. I think by the time we record, we'll we'll already have a winner. Um, and I I actually personally think I think Burkina Faso can actually win this whole thing. But hey, you know they're my favorites. I'm not gonna lie. So, um, all right. Um, let's let's Where would go that rank Corey in terms of upsets or like you know surprise winners in the history of the tournament. I'm sorry. What do you think? If Burkina Faso wins the whole thing, where would that rank, in your opinion, as like in terms of like uh, upsets or oh. underdog? They've of, never uh, won, right? The history of the tournament. I I don't I, I I'm not gonna lie. I don't know the the history of if of Burkina Faso's uh, winning in, in winning Afcon, but it's I mean this is like the first time I've seen Burkina Faso, and I'm I'm like scared of them like i actually think they would have beaten nigeria if they faced nigeria because they're they're just so good as a unit and their coach and you know see here's and here's something that for for people that don't follow african football like i do here's something that uh, africans always see when they're judging a team one is obviously the team if it's like a known in like burkina faso people are like okay it's probably a, a messed up team now or not messed up, a small team. Usually those small teams usually are paired with, unfortunately, foreign coaches, right? But Burkina Faso does not have a foreign coach. Um, Senegal also does not have a foreign coach. So um, it it would be very big for for Africa to to have um, non 
foreign coach and a black coach, especially uh, win the AFCON. Um, I don't know the last time that happened, um, but it's just something that we look at as like, oh, like for example, our coach was 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 fired. He's he's foreign Nigerian coach, but then um, they brought in a, a Nigerian coach, and we did well in the group stage, and then we messed up. So you know that hope was dashed so we're i think we're going back forward now to get a coach unfortunately that's just how things are playing out um so um should be interesting i'm i'm i'm, I'm really rooting for them i think it will be a, a major upset i mean if you look at the powerhouse that we have in even in the semifinals, um to be honest i'm not counting cameroon as a powerhouse because they they're good they play like unit but like they don't have the big names like before so I think it would definitely be a big upset if they're able to brush aside Senegal and or Egypt. So that would be... I forgot that be, they were in the final in 2013. Actually, they lost to Nigeria. That's the last time y'all won, Bori. Oh, yeah. In the, 20, yeah. In the 2013 tournament. Yeah, it's, it's almost, a de- almost a decade now, and, and we've yeah. not won any. Yeah. We're, we're hungry. Yeah, and a decade it. ago. Okay, just looking at... I was asking for about, like, just all-time... Um, surprising winners of the tournament, Zambia, <laughs> back in 2012. Uh, yeah. I'd say that's a pretty big upset. Yeah, yeah. Good times, good times. Anyways, all right, let's move on to to what we are all really here for, which is the transfer market. It's been very interesting, and I think the way we're going to do it is uh, so for the transfer markets, uh, for the transfer market section, we're going to talk about just the ma- the clubs that really made major moves. So we're talking about Juve, Barca, Newcastle, Liverpool, Spurs, Everton, and we're going to give you a shout out to. Actually, maybe we will start with that. Let's give a shout out to Brentford for for getting Christian Eriksen. I mean, what a time for him to come back, right, uh, Manny? Yeah, um, I mean, we had already speculated that he was going to still play. Um, you know, once he got back in shape. Um, what is interesting to about this signing is, you know, we speak about how the Premier League is the most uh, physically demanding league in the world, um, and the fact that uh, he's coming to play, he was signed for Brentford in the Premier League, where uh, there are no rules against his current condition, so he has to uh, um, obviously uh, wear a medical device, right? He has that implanted. In Italy, they prohibited him from playing with with that medical equipment. Um, so, obviously, uh, something to watch out for. Um, I'm happy that he's still playing. Let's let's hope that he takes it easy. Obviously, and if something were to not be right, he's the first person to raise his hand and say, "Hey, um, I don't think this is you know the the right the right thing for me." Because um, the last thing that we want is for something that is a long-term uh, negative effect on his health to, uh, I guess, uh, increase uh, this, those chances of, of him having those issues uh, long-term because there's bigger things than, uh, than football. Yeah, it's scary. And, and like, you're right. I mean, the EPL is <laughs> it's crazy. So, I mean, I, I think I had mentioned this on the podcast before, but Marco Kanin, who who is, I think, an Arsenal legend, in my opinion, um, had the heart condition. Um, and you would notice that he never really played the full 90 minutes. So I'm going to assume that's the path that they're going to take, where maybe he comes in the last 30 minutes, last 20 minutes, because, I mean, imagine him just getting brushed up by like who's gonna mark him <laughs> like who, who's gonna go hard on him right like you can imagine that right Jaka. um j- just to... <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a great shout i i agree with justin there oh my god it's it's incredible um but yeah i mean justin what are your thoughts about this because if i'm being honest it will be hard for me to watch especially him being in in the in the epl yeah, might be sitting at like, you know, we might all be sitting on pins and needles watching his first few times out there. But uh, hopefully, you know, like Manny said, this is all take everyone's been taking a lot of all this stuff in consideration, him especially, him and his family, his doctors, I'm sure like, you know, he feels like he can go. He's been cleared. Uh, Brentford, obviously, you know, they have had a bit of a downturn in their initially hot form at the beginning of the season. So they maybe they hope that he can kind of 
reinvigorate some spark. It is only a six month contract that he's on. So it's kind of just like testing the waters and hopefully within a couple, you know, two, three, four game weeks, when he makes his cameo appearance, if he's playing like 45 minutes, 60 minutes max, um, maybe he makes the most of it and we all get to enjoy some of his great play while he's out there and it can lead on to who knows what we'll, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I wish him the best and uh, I hope things turn out well, but again, like I said, as a defender, if I'm defending that, I would never even want to like, I could kill a man. That's how, that's how I think of it. Like I could kill this guy if I really go hard, but maybe, you know, we're not doctors and, and you know, he's filled with an ICD device. I don't know what that means or what that, what that even looks like. I should probably just Google it. Um, but I hope everything is going to be safe. Um, so I think I think let's just start with uh, the the first transfer. Maybe maybe let's continue down the the EPL realm. And I think uh, you know to be honest, I think one one club that really had a lot of moves was Newcastle. I think we have to. I think they are really the elephant in the room. Uh, you know they have they have they brought in Trippier. We already know we've already seen the future. Um, Dan Burn for me a surprise sign. I, I mean when I saw that notification, I was like. Wait, is this is this for real? Um, and then uh, Chris Wood, we already knew about. And then this player called Gumaresh. Um, I've never watched him play, but I've I've heard good things from League On people. Um, Manny, do you want to say anything about this this whole Newcastle operation? And to me, it just seems like um, I'm trying to remember that cartoon I used to watch. Like they're just they're they're gathering a bunch of just stars in one team or quote-unquote stars right or are they just pulling pulling are they being strategic with all these signings um i would think that i would call it strategic um i would if i were to sum up the newcastle's uh january transfers it would be under the model of if you can't beat them buy them because that's exactly what they've been doing they were literally if you look at these players in some way, shape, or form, they are integral to some of the teams that are battling uh, relegation or are in the relegation zone with um, their competitors. Yeah, and Chris Wood especially. Chris, yeah. Wood, Chris Wood is especially the exactly uh, the one that comes to mind because even though Burnley at, at the moment um, have three games in hand, right? So they've played 18 games newcastle has played 21 newcastle is currently at 15 points burnley is at 12 points right so they're only three points behind them with three games in hand but you take away the man that provides something like 45 percent of their goals right so now you've taken that outlet away and uh they did so because i mean legally they triggered his clause right his his buyout so there's nothing that burnley can do in that sense um, but again, I think with all these signings, right, it, it's kind of almost like a desperation move. They have the money, they have to stay up in the EPL for it to even be worth anything. Um, and they, I'm surprised that they actually didn't buy more players. Um, if I'm honest, I mean, you read every, every transfer out there, uh, there was a rumor that Newcastle was. Uh, or talking to X player, Y player, you know. Um, but again, it's one of those things where it'll be hilarious. I kind of want to see them get relegated just because it would I be hilarious. spend all this money just right. to be relegated, right? And there's a fair possibility that that can happen because they're currently sitting um, in that 18th spot at 16 points, or I'm sorry, at 15 points. And um, below them, like I said, are just Burnley and Watford. And Watford have one game in hand on them, one point behind. And Watford just sacked their coach, too. So there could be a new coach incoming. And we've seen it time and time again when a new coach comes. It kind of, like, reinvigorates the squad more often than not. And, you know, you go through that, like... (laughs) That's a good thought. That's a good idea, Manny. But for Watford, in Watford's case, they could just maybe fire and hire a new coach every other week. And it wouldn't be that much different than their current strategy. And maybe that would just like every other week, they'll get like that next, that next boost of energy. First of all, Justin, it's every two weeks. Get it right. Get the cadence right, at least. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, I honestly want to see them get relegated, to be honest. So, so that they have to sell all these players that they just bought 
uh, because there's no way that some of these players would want to stay uh, and play in championship knowing that they just switched over to big money Newcastle just to get relegated uh, six months later. Yeah, I think Burnley getting weakened. Uh, they do. They do. Uh, they did bring Veghorst from. Uh, yeah. From the Bundesliga. That's um, a good get. Yeah, I, that's why I'm here again. I he's don't. No, I, I, he's I no don't. Chris Wood. He's no Chris Wood though. Right, right, right. And he, <laughs> we'll he has see. seven goals all, in all in all comes this season. So I don't know if that's a good return, but maybe he will get. Maybe he will just like find his, his scoring boots in 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 the EPL. Um. Now I want to do something fun. Um, Justin, are you going to what? What's your uh, final position on Newcastle? Are they staying? Are, you, are they going under or are they staying in? At this point in time, it would be hard to say that they're going to stay up, given that they've only won two games and they've looked really bad this season. But I'm actually going to say that they will stay up. I think they are going to pull it out and and maybe finish in like 17th place, but I think they're going to stay up. That'd be my prediction for right now. Yeah. And I think with, with Everton, I mean, I don't know if Everton will, will go down, but no, I don't think Everton's not going to go down. We'll, we're going to get to Everton, but I mean like Norwich is terrible in my opinion, even though Norwich has won four games. Um, I think they're awful. Uh, Burnley is very unexciting. They play very good defense, as we saw against like, Arsenal recently. But like they, they're very good defensively. Maybe Wigorst can um, reinvigorate their attack. So that's a competitor. Watford, I think, is just like a total mess. And I don't think you know teams like Leeds or Brentford are in the clear yet either. So we'll see what happens. Right. And Cantwell left uh, Norwich City on loan, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, not that he was playing much anyway, but he's no. in Bournemouth now. Um, <clears throat> all right, cool. I think I think we're done with Newcastle. I, I think, I, to be honest, I don't know how the... How, I, I, I definitely think that Watford is going down. That's that's why I think. Um, I don't know out of Norwich, Newcastle, and Burnley. I think Burnley that's, could also... You know, that's just your bias, though, boy. You just... You, it's you're, it's you not my bias. Against Watford. It's, it's not my bias. Um, don't, don't tell the people. We're recording a podcast. Come on, we're in public. <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's move on to another um, uh, team in the EPL. Uh, I think we have to talk about Everton. Um, and so this we you know we not only have a play you know players change, we also have a, a coaching change, which I think I mean frankly it's coming too late in my opinion. So they brought in uh, Frank Lampard, uh, obviously. I don't know how I feel about that, and we can talk talk to to Manny about that because we experienced him um, and uh, Dele Ali. Um, today I watched a video of of on all or nothing about uh, with him and Mourinho and Mourinho telling him, hey, like I think you're great, but you need to figure figure out your you know issue. Um, and Dinia left and Rafa Benitez left. What's DV? Who's DVB? Am I am I missing something? Yeah, Donny Van de Beek, the best player. Oh ever. yes, the best what? player that never was on Manchester United's bench. Right, 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 right. No, what a, I mean. I actually like the way he plays. I don't know what is yeah, going on. He's a good United. player. I mean, he's a great uh, player. All right. So, so Manny, I'll let you take the floor here. What do you think Everton is getting with Frank Lampard? And, and maybe what did he bring to Chelsea that you think? All right. To Everton? Right. What I think Everton, I think lack. If you look at their squad, they don't have a bad squad per se. Um, they have a lot of, I, I think they have a good balance between uh, experienced players and young players. Um, and you can kind of see that, um, you know, just the way that they've played because of the inconsistencies that they've had when certain players were in, certain players were out. I think Everton's problem comes down to, and, and kind of, a, you know, this is pot calling uh, the kettle black, is they need a coach. They need to be consistent with a coach and give them uh, the allotted time to stay there and figure things out. Um, Everton, again, a few years ago, everyone knows, uh, or for some of you that don't know, the same way that Newcastle came into a recent influx of cash through ownership groups, Everton did the same thing, and they started kind of spending frivolously on players that don't really match uh, coaches and 
they never have developed like a playing style per se. Um, it sounds like this time around, though, with Frank Lampard, they are kind of looking to end that and maybe keep it consistent, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, it doesn't. Um, the one thing that we could have predicted at the beginning of this whole thing was that Rafa was never going to be the man. I mean, I don't even know why they even made that appointment to begin with, just based solely on his history with the other Liverpool team. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, was already, that was there was already that animosity to begin with. So that was weird. for Rafa, yeah. for Rafa to have been given a fair chance, uh, he, he never even got that chance the, the minute he, he took the job. There was already heavy criticism on it. Um, so Frank Lampard coming in, he does well with the one thing that I will say from uh, as a Chelsea fan, he can integrate the youth. And right now, Everton have a lot of really uh, promising youth players like Gordon, for example, um, who's actually been a, a bit of a revelation this this season. Um, and I think that he's going to do a good job. But again, he's going to need time. The one thing is, I think he'll get more time based on fans' approval, regardless, because he's not Rafa. He has no affiliation with Liverpool, uh, you know, and so I think he's going to, he has that benefit of the doubt. Right. And he, he, he still has some, quote-unquote, um, influence because he wasn't even appointed officially when he had already convinced Dele Ali and Donny Van de Beek to join, right? So... You know, if reports are true, they had better off, quote unquote, better offers to go to other teams, but they chose to go to Everton. So we'll see what the team looks like, um, you know, this weekend. I have no idea what this team is going to look like. They have like yeah. I, I mean, Frankie, Frankie Lampard is, uh, you know, he's obviously a legendary midfielder, made that center of the park his own, but they have a total glut of central midfield players now. Imagine Van de Beek. <laughs> Imagine Van de Beek rotting on the bench at Everton also, if he can't admit it. Because they already have Andre Gomez. They have Ducore. Um, Allen. Al- yeah, Allen. And now they're bringing in Deli Ali. Uh, it just doesn't make any... I'm not quite sure. These are all good... They, these are good gets that they got. These two players in, in particular... Um, but I'm just not sure how that how this squad is going to line up. That's because he's going to play a two-six, uh, two formation. All right, that's what he's going to do. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> With Richarlison and uh and uh Dominic Calvert Lewin up top. So there you go. Yeah, I mean the team does look like it has potential, but also look. I, I I'm just I, I guess I'm just finding it hard to see how. You know, everyone's getting a new coach. Everyone's doing, especially everyone at the bottom, they're, you know, they seem to be making a step towards changes. And I'm actually unless, kind of worried for Everton. Unless you're Watford. Unless, unless you're Watford, yes. Um, but I, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of worried that Everton... If you're Watford, you know, all the changes, that's just another Tuesday. Right. Um, but I wonder, see, see my, my, my issue with Everton is that feel like they made this change too too late and and justin i don't know if if, i don't know how you feel about that like i I wonder if if sacking benitez like just a few weeks ago came out at the like that was the latest like now you have what how many games left like let's see you they've played well they've played 20 games so that you have eight they have 18 games left i guess that's still a fair bit but with everybody doing well, Crystal Palace doing well above them, Leeds United seems to have kind of been, you know, they're getting better. Brentford, you can make a case that they could go down because let's be honest, they're on 20, they play 23 games and they could just end up back in the in the the bottom three. But I just I'm worried that everything may not may not, you know, may not make it. You know, it, it's not it's not looking in my opinion, it's not looking good. Yeah. They definitely feel have the look and feel of a team that's a little rudderless. That's for sure. I'm like I don't think they have a sporting director, like you know, like a proper like director of football right now. I think whoever it was in that position left honestly like a couple of weeks before they fired Rafa. 
So they, they don't have a sporting director. They don't have anybody like at the top making decisions on transfers and like budget and stuff like that. They didn't have a manager up until last week. Uh, they're making some very, very, very last minute swaps at the end of the year. Maybe you could say, and they look good on paper, but maybe you could say they're panic buys or panic moves. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It's a, Frank Lampard has got a big, big job ahead of him. And he probably should have, if Everton had identified him as the guy they wanted, he probably should have been in this job at the start of the transfer period, at the start of the month, as opposed to like literally as the window closed. Justin. And Rafa should have been gone earlier, let's Justin, say. Justin, I want to stop you right there. How dare you speak of Dele Ali in that tone? This was supposed to be England's. I mean, he could be good. He, he, he has been good and could be good. This was golden England's self-proclaimed golden boy and messiah of 2017-18 yeah. season. Okay, right. He can. He should get get in line. There's but how many of them have come and gone? <laughs> all right. Let's let's move on to to Spurs. Uh, I think you know we can all agree they 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 had one of the best. Well, I actually I don't know about best, but they had one of the busiest transfers. Uh, I think that I can, I can remember um, in in the winter winter section. Um, so they I think notable ones are Benton Core, who by the way somebody on Twitter posted and essentially called Benton Core Iniesta, which I really don't know how to even react to that. When I saw that, I thought it was a joke, but it seems like that person was actually serious about that. Um, they also brought in Kulusevski, uh, which you know again I don't know how I feel about Kulusevski, um, and then. They let go of uh, Ndombele. Um, Justin, I think you're the only, you're the, probably the only one that knows Spurs more than more than both of us because you know you secretly love them even though you claim that you hate them. Um, what do you think? Are you are you worried about these signings that they've brought in, um, aka the new Iniesta and and then Kulusevski? I mean, you said someone on Twitter call them the new Iniesta, so now I'm very, very frightened. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, to be honest, like, yeah, I, I am a little concerned because mostly just because uh, Antonio Conte is the one who's making these moves. So I have to assume that they are well thought out ones that will fit into his overall game plan. And Conte knows his stuff. He's This is what he does. He comes in. He forces big moves. He dispenses with those players who don't fit into his system. Uh, and Dumbele and Deli Ali obviously don't fit in. Um, I think they also they also sent out their young winger Brian Gill out on loan. Yes, uh, which is yes, kind of surprising did. to me. Yep. Yeah, he, but um, yeah. you know, but they, I mean, in in return they brought in Kulusevich, who's uh, he t- he typically plays out on the wing too, right? I'm not sure if on the same side, but he's a winger as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, at um, at Juve he played on the right wing essentially, um, but the way Juve played, okay. they had wing backs, so it was kind of weird. But now they're playing back four now. I don't know. Juve has been a mess, so we'll talk about them later, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think yeah, you're right to, to be scared. We'll get to them, but yeah, I think I yeah. think you have the right to be scared of them I, because, especially because of the moves that Arsenal did not make, right? So. Uh, which is a strategy in and of itself, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. I, I do. <laughs> I, All right. I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about it, but if that's if that's what we need to talk about, we can talk about that. No, no, we, we don't yes. have to talk about. It. In summary, yeah, I think we all we all agree that if Antonio Conte is making these transfers, then it's for a good reason, and other teams who are competing with Spurs, uh, Arsenal included, should be concerned about what it Except- means for the second half of the season. Except these weren't Antonio Conte's first uh, first choice signings. Uh, if we go back to like a few days ago, there were reports that they wanted uh, the player that Liverpool signed from Porto. Uh, oh, that's true. And yeah. and and well, everybody wanted him. Right, but apparently yeah. they had already they had an agreement in place only for that guy to show up in England and be like, hey. I'm going to go to Liverpool instead of uh, London. And then he also wanted Adama Traore, and Adama Traore chose to go to back to Barcelona instead of signing for Spurs. 
take it and took a huge pay cut too. Yeah. It took a huge pay cut. So um, I think th- if anything, this was just like Daniel Levy trying to uh, put out a uh, trying to prevent a massive fire, but just trying to uh, get whoever he could, um, you know, whatever was possible. But um, again, if you know, if if reports are to be believed, um, Conte at some point in time wanted these um, these particular players um, when he was uh, in Italy. So now he's got them, and he has what five months left, four months left to uh, to to make something of it, if he even lasts the four months, because um, you know with Conte. Just, whether he stays or goes or quits or gets fired, he's going to find another job at some point. So. Right, right. Um, all right, last but not least, I think we already alluded to him. Luis Diaz uh, goes to Liverpool. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I think Luis Diaz, we, we Milan played, so I saw him play against Milan in Champions League this year. He looked lively. He looked like a dangerous player. But I've also heard reports from from the people that follow the Portuguese league that said he's a very hot and cold guy. And and that simply means that someday he'll be good. Someday he won't be good. So personally, a little surprised. But also maybe this is what this is a challenge for for club, right? Like look at what he's done with, with Jota, for example. Jota like seems like a, a dangerous player every game. Whereas when he was in Wolves, right. I don't think we, we could say that. Um, so, so maybe a good buy for them, but that does not mean that they're going to win the, win the EPL, right? Uh, like that, this doesn't change anything for them. This is just a, a, in case Mane or in case Salah gets injured, um, he plays, correct? Well, one of them, this is the future replacement for Mane, I think. Yeah. Mane is going to be, well, according to Manny, they're having a duel to the death, uh, this weekend in the AFCON final, but. I think it's Mane, regardless of what happens in AFCON. I think it's probably Mane is going to be moving on in the summer, and this is his replacement. There will be brothers no more after Sunday, okay? And so, <laughs> and so Liverpool is just smart, and they're like, all right, we 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 got to find a replacement now because uh, there's going to be a lot of bad blood uh, for these next like you know four or five months left in the season, and that's what they went ahead and did. Also, I think it was just a way to uh, just you know. Get back at Spurs because there's nothing more Spursy than to put out a report saying that you've agreed a uh, uh, a transfer with a certain player, only for that player to then turn around and sign for another club. Not the uh, first time that it's happened to them, and it certainly won't be the last. So, oof. well, you never know. You never know. All right. Um, so I think that's all we've we have. I think we have to move on to to another club that really seems. If I'm being honest, confused, uh, uh, and that's Barcelona. I, <laughs> I don't even know what to start, but yeah. let, let's just talk about let's just talk about the whole. Maybe actually, you know what? Let, let me do it this way. So I'm gonna say everybody's name that got moved to Barcelona except for one, and I'm sure you can, everyone can guess who that one is. Ferran Torres, we already knew. He already scored a goal. Um, he's good. Adama Traore took a huge pay cut to to play for them. Um, we're not sure how he's going to fit. I think he still needs to work on his tiki-taka, but I think actually, here's my point. Here's why I think Adama Traore actually went to went to Barcelona and took that pay cut. I think it's because of the World Cup. I think he needs to, he realizes that he needs to brush up his skills and he needs to get into that World Cup squad for, for later this year. Um, and then we have Dani Alves, uh, who, you know, let's be real. We love Dani Alves, but we think he's too old. Now, the last player was a very last-minute thing. And so, Justin, I'm going to rely on you as the the resident expert of Arsenal Transfer News, which is usually non-existent, um, no offense, um, to explain to me as a Syria watcher why anyone will let go of a player like Obama Yang, especially given the fact that you are about to get to top four for the first time in God knows how long now, like what, seven years or something like that. So can you explain to me what happened and why you would even let this player go? I, I, I generally am asking because I still, I see what people are posting online and I don't, I still don't get it. Who, who wanted this guy to go and why, why can't we put up with 
his tardiness, which I think is what you said the other time we recorded. Well, it's the tardiness among other things, right? It's kind of just a lack of respect for team norms and expectations. Um, also, like, frankly, like COVID protocols. I mean, the guy got COVID again because he was partying before AFCON and he wasn't even able to participate with his nation. So that kind of shows you where he's at. But I mean, like, I, I, don't, I should stop myself. I don't want to like denigrate the player because he's a great player. He's a great guy. And he's done great things for Arsenal. And Arsenal actually put out a very, I think, very gracious, like, farewell video and statement about Empty it. Empty gesture. Uh, Empty gesture. Saying, sure. Empty gesture. You could say that. But, like, I mean, like, it was just it was just time for him to go, basically, because he just wasn't fitting in with the new culture, the new regime. And regime, I'm using that word uh, intentionally, because it is a regime under Arteta and his partner in crime, uh, Adu, who's like the director of football. So yeah, um, I, I guess the relationship was irreparable at, at a certain point, and there was just like no way back. And Aubameyang also, I think, probably pretty clearly expressed he didn't really have the interest to like, you know, whatever it was that he needed to do to get himself back into good races. He's like, I know, uh, you know, I'm I'm a star player. I know my own worth. So I'll just take my talents elsewhere. And he kind of willed this transfer into existence. Um, there was all these rumors. Uh, the deal looked like it had broken down at a certain point, actually, on Sunday, going into Monday. And then Aubameyang just showed up in Barcelona and kind of willed the deal back into existence. And they, they changed the terms. And now um, it's become like a six-month loan followed by another 12-month loan. And Barcelona is basically going to take, take on all of his wages and I think Aubameyang is also going to take a pay cut for the first six months in order to, to make it work with financial fair play. So he wanted to be get done, and now it's done. And uh, we'll see how he fits into this very confusing Barcelona side that Xavi's setting up. Right. And I all, think this what is. What do you all think? Do you think? Do you think, I... boy? You, you, you. I know you have a soft spot for Barcelona, uh, as do I. And but I, I'm curious to know, like, how do you think Aubameyang fits into, into the system well, there? I, I don't even want to go there yet first, because I, I think I think I was hoping the question you asked me is what do I think about this whole saga? I think it's it's rubbish. I think it's nonsense. I think Arsenal and Arteta especially needs to realize he doesn't have the luxury of letting his best player go. And I think Arsenal fans don't realize this right now. When you like, when you realize that, that the very last game of the season could determine if you go back into the Champions League or not, and you need that striker to to put in the goal, you know, like I don't understand this whole thing. Like, wasn't Aubameyang under Unai Emery? What happened then? Like, why didn't have why didn't he have these issues here uh, with with Unai Emery? Like, I, I'm generally asking that because Emery like, Emery was the world's biggest pushover. He had no discipline for his players whatsoever. The players were like, were mocking Emery on the training ground because he couldn't speak English well. And that if it, you want to know how bad it got, that's how bad it got. All right. Well, okay. All right. Um, like I said, it's so, a whole, I, you know, we're going to talk about winners and losers. Arsenal, what Arsenal is doing is, believe me, I'm, I had heart, palp heart palpitations thinking about what the second half of the season may bring for Arsenal, not bringing in any replacement players. Uh, they they have a game plan and they're gonna stick to it and I have no idea whether it's gonna work All or right. not. We're, we're on the artistic train. What? Yeah. I just wanna I just wanna correct you. The reason why Adama Traore went to back to Barcelona is because he was tired of rubbing his arms with baby oil in the EPL. Right? <laughs> he's he's now he's now resorting to using olive oil. And where does oh, the best God. and what country produces the best olive oil in the world? Spain. There you go. <laughs> That's the reason why he went back. Oof. Hey, I, you know what? That whole thing that he, you know, he rubs Vaseline. Oh, oh my God! Like, I, I, I love it so much because it's like <laughs> this is so weird, but it's normal. <laughs> nah, it's, it's so it's, funny. It's so funny. It was baby oil. Now it's uh, extra virgin olive oil. Okay. okay. <laughs> hey, all right. No, for real. Let, let's go back to the topic of pride. I feel like we just went deviated into Arsenal. And sorry, Justin, if I if I brought up uh, very bad, touchy subjects and, and bad memories, but I'm trying I, to really understand. What it's fine. Everyone's asking the question. 
I don't know what Justin is uh, so sour right now. If anything, I'd be celebrating. Have you seen? Okay, first off, they gave Aubameyang a massive contract uh, a few months ago, making him the highest paid player, and they made him captain, right? Then he goes on to, I guess, do whatever the hell he wants at Arsenal, and they stripped his captaincy, but he's still getting paid massive wages. Now you got, you have let him go for free, right? Like there was nothing Fair in points. return, Fair but points. you're saving so much on wages. Yeah. So, points. you know, you might, yeah. not, well, you might not have well, anybody, but. I think depending on how the deal is structured, I think I saw something that was like upwards of like, I don't know, like 20 million, like several over 10, 15 million dollars in wages that Arsenal is going to be savings with uh, over the lifetime of, of Aubameyang's contract. That's a good and, amount of money. Cause uh, that's we'll a, see how that's they reinvest about, it. That's about they decide to bank it. Yep. They decide to bank all that money. Hold on. Hold on. They're not spending I've been it doing yet, a lot of, we'll see what they spend it on. That's about I've the been same doing amount of, of money you guys paid William too. So, Hey, Oh God, <laughs> where's William? Yeah. And where, where is hey, he now? I, I will say this. I will say this. If you get into the Champions League and you, Go past, though you play all the six teams in the group stage, you get like 40 something million. So at that point, whether you have Aubameyang's wages on the, on the books or not, this summer's going to be a spending spree. Oh, if, God. if Arsenal make it into the top four, it'll be a spending spree this summer. Oh, God. I can't even imagine. But if they all don't, right, sure. then I don't know what's going to happen. Let, let, let's stop talking about Arsenal because we didn't even put them on, on the sheet as, a not, as notable transfers. But um, Barcelona. Right, final I, thoughts. We have to have final thoughts on Barcelona. How, like, yeah. how are they going to line up and how's this team play under Xavi? I, what I'm trying to understand is why do they need more forwards? That, that's that. Can someone just answer me this question? They have they, they have the only forward they were able to to let go was Coutinho. I guess that's good for them. But Dembele is still there. Well, okay, Asafati is now injured again, and he's probably going to be out for, for three months. Okay, fine. I, I guess I see that. But there's so many forwards. Like, these forwards are not going to defend. They need pro- they have problems in defense. Like, I don't understand why they're not investing there. They're, they just seem to be investing in just the front line. Because they need forwards because it's quantity over quality of Barcelona, Bori. Uh-huh. And all of those players you just named, there's a, about a 90% chance, all right, that they're going to be injured for a substantial <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, being, I'm just being honest with you, right? Like, uh, you just said it, Ansu Fati, injured already. Next up, Dembele, as soon as he takes uh, the pitch, he'll be hurt again. Uh, Aubameyang, I mean, who knows what he's like. Uh, he hasn't played competitively. Um, for some time now, and then he get he got COVID at Afcon, so he didn't even play there. And then uh, there were reports that he had some uh, heart um, inflammation or or something, you know, like a yeah, myocarditis. Right. So, yeah. which is also interesting that Barcelona would take that risk on a player who just had heart issues as a result of getting COVID. They have. They have state-of-the-art medical facilities because of Dembele. So, but we saw what happened. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's but some no, very but, futuristic but, stuff. But if you think about it, there. Um, Aguero, Aguero, you know, the same thing happened to him. He had some heart issues. I'm not saying it was related to the same. It was a reason, but he had some heart issues and uh, he had to retire. And who's to say that you know, uh, Aubameyang gets out there and then they're like, hey. Just well, or serious. Don't put that. Don't put that evil out there. I'm not putting it out there. I'm just being realistic. So your question as to why uh, they need more attackers, more forwards, is because nobody can score. Come on, they got look the Excuse young. me. The right, other right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 Wait, I just said two there. <laughs> Wait, um, right, yeah. Memphis, is it Memphis there? injured? He's still there, of course. He's oh still yeah, there. He's, they're, they're, they're all they're all hurt. He's going to be Aubameyang's, Aubameyang's striking partner. No, Aubameyang's striking partner is... Actually, yeah, you're right. He could be. <laughs> no, it'll be, uh, it'll be Brathwaite and uh, Adama Traore, uh, the, the, the strike partnership from Middlesbrough, 2015. Bet you guys didn't know that, huh? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I saw the I saw the people were talking about that and people were making fun of them. When I watched them score the the the, the winner of the Europa League final. Of the what? The Europa oh. League final. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Let, let's move on. Let's move on to the last last club, Juve. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say out here. I know we're gonna talk about our best transfer and our worst transfer. For me, best transfer of the winter. Um, they brought in Vlaovic. To me, I was like mind blown. I was like, there's no way. I thought this was Who? fake news. But Vlao. Well, oh, <laughs> okay. I see where this is going. They they brought in Vlaovic and then. They they brought in Zachariah. Uh, by the way, I don't know how good Zachariah is, but I've just heard that's the that that he's good. But you know, again, I don't know that what that means really. Uh, but then they they got rid of Benton Core and Kulusevski. Uh actually, quick side note: I didn't say this when we talked about Spurs. Benton Core, he's notorious for losing possession in dangerous areas, um, and in the EPL, he doesn't have time that he he used to have in in Syria. So it's going to be very interesting to see how we actually adapt. So I'm very curious. Actually, I would actually be watching Spurs, especially if he plays, because I'd love to see how he's going to cope. Um, but but I want to talk about Juve. I mean, huge, huge, huge transfer for Vlaovic. Um, I don't know how any of you are feeling about this transfer. I think, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the Champions League, but they look like a team that could win the Champions League. Like before, I was like, yeah, they're definitely not winning Champions League. But that, with this signing, anything is possible. Um, not Syria though. I think I think Syria is probably going to be Inter Milan. Um, what do we think about Juve? They are. I know we. I think we're going to reserve a different segment for this, but I'll just say outright that they are my winners of the transfer window. I think um, both for everything that you just said, Bori, uh, Lahovic is a great great get. Um, equally good is like their business on the other end, like the outgoings. I think mm-hmm. they realize like their surplus in the midfield and yep. they like, you know, they, they made, a, I think they made like, they possibly made broke even or came close to breaking even with their outgoings. Um, and they got one Aaron Ramsey's. Yeah. Your boy. Hooks, which is, <laughs> he is my boy, but I mean, he's speaking about bad contracts that guy he's he's getting it made he's making right. an absurd amount of money was sitting on the bench at Juventus so they were able to get him out on loan as well so yeah um I think they, they did a great business Juventus all the way all the way around and I think that boy what you said um yeah I think they are definitely they've they could be contenders in the Champions League this year yeah and, and the reason why is they remind me of Chelsea last year I mean they they are very defensive and Manny says this all the time. Defense wins, wins championships. They they can defend to save their lives. Like if you put a gun to their head, they will defend every ball. Um, the problem was going forward. Now with Vlaovic, that changes. Although I do think they may stunt Vlaovic's goal scoring um, uh, record because you know they don't they're not gonna be they're gonna be playing very like behind the ball kind of thing. Um, Manny, I'm, I'm guessing what you what are your thoughts about about Juve's transfer market? Yeah, I mean. I think so. I I don't think that they had the best transfer window, and I'll tell you why. It's because Juve in the Serie A is what Bayern is in the Bundesliga, where you can almost count or almost be certain that they're going to sign the star player of some other team in that league. Like that's just how it's been, and. They have a thing for signing Fiorentina players. You know, they've signed over the years, they've signed quite a few players uh, like Chiellini, for example, like Chiesa, Quadrado. most recently, like Quadrado, uh, Vlahovic. So I'm not surprised that they managed to sign him or that he would want to go to Juve because if you're in Italy, like arguably Juve is the biggest name. No offense, Bori. Uh, you know, but... It is what it is, right? Um, I think what they're doing is just preparing for... They have a lot of players that are going to be running down the contracts as well. Uh, most notably, Paulo Dybala. I think what they're getting ready to do is maybe like prepare for a departure on his end. And then they have another player that's quote-unquote a big name because Lahovic was a revelation 
you know, this season. And so you sign that to kind of soften the blow uh, if you were to lose, like, a player of, like, Paulo Dybala's caliber, for example. But what I'm surprised about is uh, that you're not saying anything about Inter Milan's. Uh, not worried. <clears throat> not worried. <laughs> not worried. Uh, Gosens is actually... Signing reinforcements I, and making, like, really reasonable signings yeah, yeah. to continue I, their... I, I mean, obviously, I'm worried. I, I'm joking about not worried. Um, the Caicedo, by the way, that's a very good buy for them, I think. One, because he's played on Inzaghi. And Caicedo always scores. Comes in as a sub and always scores. It's a freaking... I don't know how he does it. Super um, sub. So that's the one thing. Yeah, it's a super sub. That, that's the one thing that scares me about this, this current Inter. I do think that I'm not too worried about Gosens, though. Um, because I think he's lost his touch, especially with after his injury. Um, I think he's still probably still even injured. Um, but, you know, Inzaghi's still out of the realm. Inzaghi's a weird coach. He makes weird changes, weird subs sometimes. So that's why I'm not too worried. But, obviously, good signing for them. Good signings for them. I'm not going to hate. Um, we didn't sign in. Well, we signed one person, but that was last. I don't think anyone has heard of him. So, um, yeah. But anyways, I, I was about I to think, say, Boring, for all the stuff you're giving me, I mean, you, there's a lot to be said about Arsenal, but, you know, Milan is still in a position and has been all season to be competing to win Serie A this season. Inter strengthens, Juventus strengthens. Um, I'm not sure what business Napoli or Atalanta did, for instance, but. Even Fiorentina. Um, what, what, what do you think about. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about Milan just not doing any business at all this transfer window? We don't need to. That's the thing. That's the beauty. We have we play. We don't depend on the player. We don't. That, that's the beauty of Milan. We don't. We don't have to depend on stars. We are a budget team now, unfortunately. And we we bought a young striker. Maybe he will be. He will do good. I don't know. But we have all. We also have Leao, who's 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 phenomenal. So we we we've got what we need. Okay, but we don't like the truth is we have players that can play in multiple positions, and and I think that's been that's part of the reasons why we still can fight or be in the same room with the big boys, and, and we don't need to buy marquee player or marquee marquee players and and, and big signings. Um, good shout out for for Fiorentina, even though they lost Vlaovic, they bought Ikone, um, they bought um, and I'm gonna, I can't. His name starts with a C. I can't remember his name right now. Um, apparently, very, very good striker. Um, so, and then they brought uh, Pum 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 Pum, um, Piontek. So, I think I think they'll be fine. They got 75 million in the bank. They're laughing to the bank, so to say. So, I think they did a good business. Um, but good luck to them. I'm not. I'm not. They. To me, my in my opinion, they've been weakened. But they've also they have a new way of playing now because of the the, the wings now have like power. Um, so so good for them, really. Arthur Cabral is that the player you're thinking? Yeah, Cabral. 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 That's yes. what it is. Cabral. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Sir. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyways, is it gonna so break your heart if Piatek starts performing again, Bori? I know. I I will I will be so, I will be sh- I will be shocked and I will be confused. Bori's gonna be going like this. Boom boom boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Manny just did uh, Piatek's signature celebration, but yeah, uh, to yeah, the head. <laughs> All right. So real quick before we go, I want to get your. I I think I, I'm going to start. So to give to to let you all think. My winner, obviously, everyone knows Juve. For me, especially the players that went out, like they they're saving money on 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 the wages now, so good for them. I mean, I'm I'm actually jealous and surprised. Um, my loser, I'm sorry, Jake, Justin, it has to be Arsenal. <laughs> it has to be Arsenal. I'm sorry, no, seriously, it has to be Arsenal. Okay, they let Midland Niles go, they let Callum Chambers go, they let Aubameyang go, and then who did they bring in? I don't know. So that that that's no why. But, okay, that's why I mean, it's bad. You, you hey, you don't have to fight for them. We can talk about that next 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 episode. Why don't you? Just I just want to make one point though. Okay, I just want to make one point. Of the other outgo, as bombing aside, of all the other outgoings from Arsenal, do you know how many Premier League appearances? 
appearances they made this season? No, I don't actually. But let me let, let me ask you this two. question. Two, two appearances. If Tomiyasu were to get injured, who comes in? Cedric Suarez. Who cares? Yeah. See, the is, he, is he better than, than Mainland Niles? Is he better than him? No, I mean, of course know. not. Of course not. No. Exactly. Of course so, not. That, that's my. That's. that's I don't think he's better than Kelly Chambers. The answer honest, is, but you know, the answer it's a, it's is a question Saka. of contracts. Bukayo Saka is going to play. I guess so. Right back. Those days are done. He's done working in the trenches in the, <laughs> in the, as a wing back. He doesn't do that anymore. Hey, Justin, can you give me your Ben White? Ben White can play out there. Um, my winner is also Juventus, like I said, and my loser. Um, Come on, really, say I don't, it. I, I've been trying to think. Uh, well, I've been it. trying to think of who would lose. I, I guess I will say, um, I will say Arsenal, just because it was disappointing to see them miss out on any striker. Um, you know my feelings about Alexander Isak. There's a lot of hubbub about him joining the team this winter. Maybe that will happen in the summer. I don't know. Um, the thing is like, no, uh, allegedly no deals materialized for the right price. And, uh, Arteta and Edu are, are very, very adamant that they're going to stick to a game plan that they've had since the start of the season. It's been working out most of the time for Arsenal so far this year, but, um, I, I will say that they are the losers at this point and the next month, the next month will really reveal whether the all the flack that they're catching right now was justified. Um, if someone goes down injured, God forbid, like Lacazette goes down injured long-term, um, something like that. But um, yeah, uh, here we are on whatever, February 1st. So I, I'll say Arsenal at this point in time is the loser. Hey, man, can you close this out? Winners and losers? Correct, yeah. I mean, uh, as much as I want to say Inter, I mean, Inter didn't really need much, to be honest, in this window to still continue to dominate in Serie A. They're in first place by, what is it, like four or five points um, with possibly a game in hand, I believe. So um, for the reasons that you guys just thinking about Juve and staying relevant, whether they win something or not, but just like from a merchandising marketing perspective, signing the, I guess who would have been the goal scorer? Uh, what's it? The the what's it? Uh, the Italian word capo. Capo cannoniere. Exactly, signing him halfway through the season, and um, bringing him on board uh, when they still have a chance at the top four. I, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with that. He's a big name. Uh, he's been having probably the best season he's had in his entire career. Um, and what better way than to come into Juve where he's going to probably be the focal point of that attack and that team. So, And then um, for my losers, um, dang, I, I don't want to say Arsenal because, you know, we, we are just bag on Arsenal all the time. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Barcelona, man, because – uh, and Justin mentioned this. Uh, when Xavi was appointed a few weeks ago, we kind of said, all right, maybe there might be kind of an identity with this team that they're trying to build. They're trying to build the core with some of uh, the new players because Barcelona had, at that point, so many young stars that could be integrated into the team. But then they signed Danny Alves, who's older than all of us here combined, um, though he had... He, he has won literally everything there is to win in, in the world of football. But, you know, then you follow that up with the likes of, uh, you know, Ferran Torres, which I could see that one working. Adama Traore, I guess he's from La Masia. You know, he has the, that experience of that philosophy uh, and, and how they want to play. But, man, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is the final nail in that coffin of Barcelona just, I guess, uh, cementing itself as like the most, as the club that's in shambles right now. Because I don't know how you can justify 
even if you get him at half the wages that he was at at Arsenal, how do you sign him when he's 30? How old is he, Justin? 34? 33? You know, he's like... The bumming is, yeah, 32 or 33. Okay. And the history of... um, Like, you already have Dembele, who's who's like he got that history of like not yet like really doing whatever he wants, not taking direction well. Here comes Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who's a ticking time bomb. Like I don't know, I don't think that's what this team needed. I certainly don't think that's what Xavi needed, and I just think they just took like uh, two steps back with all those signings. So they are my losers. Fair points. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, they kind I, of did a rever- I, This is going to be an interesting. Sorry, I was just going to say this is going to be like an interesting thing to watch actually over the next few months um, to the end of the season is like what Barcelona did and what Arsenal did are kind of like opposite ends of the spectrum, right? It's like, do you, both of them are in positions where they, they need to fight, fight like very hard to get to the top four. Barcelona went and just broke the bank and brought in players left and right and we don't really know how they're all going to fit together and arsenal held fast and we'll see uh we'll see what strategy works out which in, in the end maybe both pan out or maybe both don't i don't know <laughs> we'll see i think one will and one won't and i think we can guess which one will i think boston and won't yeah but... you both will be in europa league next season <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's all we have. We're, we're out of time. We have to cut it off here. Uh, but thank you all for listening to the fourth official soccer podcast. We're on, um, well, we're on Spotify, unfortunately. Um, and we're also on Apple Podcasts and also <laughs> on Google Podcasts. Uh, we will see you all next time. Bye-bye.